Hello, welcome back to Dr. Introspect TV, and it's your host, Dr. Introspect, and I'm back. Today, I am bringing to you another analysis podcast style, and this is actually a show that I particularly enjoy. I am going to be doing an analysis on just one season as opposed to the entire show because I think there's still much to uncover as the story develops, and so that will be coming. But if you do want that, do request for it in the comment section. The season three is just as good as the other seasons preceding it, so there's definitely something good here. And I have to warn you, per usual, there are spoiler bombs ahead, so if you don't like spoilers, maybe watch it and then come back. But if you don't mind spoilers, but you're worried that you might not be able to follow through with the discussion because I don't have a ton of visuals or anything like that, I promise you're not gonna miss out on anything because of how in depth these analyses are. You're going to be feeling like you are in the director's mind. That's right. The director's mind. That's how deep I am going to be taking you guys. So just hang on tight, put on your seatbelt. It's gonna be quite the ride. So we're talking about you, season three. You, not like you listening to me, but like you, the show. I don't know. Probably didn't land well, <laughs> that joke. But I mean, you. You is a show I am particularly interested in bringing to you because of the mental health aspects. As you know, on this channel, I do psychological analysis on TV shows, movies, books, and we might be getting into songs. So if there is any song you'd like us to do analysis on, leave those recommendations and suggestions in the comment section box below. But here, the mental health aspects I thought are something that our audience can benefit from. And I know the characters that are being discussed here are quite dark and malignant in nature. But as this analysis continues, you're going to find that a lot of these struggles are commonplace and relatable. You might not actually have a label or any kind of disorder but you might find that you relate to the struggles that will be discussed here and if that is you i want you to know that there are always avenues for help and support with that i have to leave the disclaimer that everything discussed here are for educational and information purposes and so if you need the help of a counselor a therapist a psychologist or even a life coach do avail yourself to those resources so backstory a little backstory we have joe the main character and then we also have love and as you know i will not be commenting on the cinematography because that's not what we do in this channel but i have to say the way this story was written for season three I'm sure people were probably thinking you is about to probably turn into the serial killer couple show and 
Love and Joe become the two stars of the show, but spoiler, Joe is still the star of the show, and in fact, by the end of the season, he kills Love, his wife. So, yeah, it's still the Joe show, and we like Joe. Okay, so some backstory on Joe. Joe is a person that I would say is a psychopath. And he is the covert narcissist psychopath, in the sense of him being covert and him being the least guy that you would suspect of committing such crimes. We're talking about Joe, and he is very calculated. And then Love, on the other hand, she's more of a sociopath. She doesn't have a lot of the premeditation and calculation and restraint that Joe has, and it's possible that she probably also has some attachment problems, probably borderline traits as well, because she's very flighty and becomes very unpredictable when she undergoes any form of emotional stress. And that is what makes this season and this show so fascinating and worth doing a deep dive on. Because people often ask themselves, "What happens when two malignant characters get together?" And as you would imagine, you would imagine the both of them killing each other or burning the whole place down. I have to say that was the curiosity that probably piqued the interest of a lot of people in really following this season when it was announced. Because you want to know what happens. Do they make the perfect match? Do they make the perfect couple? And when season two was ending, you're probably thinking to yourself, "This could probably work." Joe finally has someone. That is looking for this idealistic image of love, and adores him the way he tends to obsess over other women. And she knows he kills people. He knows she kills people. They finally see each other. This is going to work. Awesome, right? And then you get to season three, and you see, you see, that doesn't work at all. And And by the time we get to the end of this analysis, I'm going to be providing a summary of the answer of what happens when two malignant characters get together. In the show, I'm watching it, and I have to say, Joe is one of those characters that makes for good entertainment. Not because he's funny, but he has a witty mind, and his monologues. You find humor in them. He is the kind of character that makes for good entertainment, but you don't want him as a friend in real life because, I mean, Joe will kill you and no one will find your body. You know, he is that kind of guy, and so there is that feeling of some kind of likability for the character because, in some way, Joe can seem relatable to a lot of people. Like I said, a lot of the struggles you see here. Are relatable to several people, and so Joe and Love are together, and they are a married couple now, and they are trying to do normal. They're trying 
to live the suburban life of the ideal happy couple and it's not working because Joe still has his tendencies of obsession for other women and Love notices that and then she feels like she's not enough for Joe and as we go on I will explain their different traumas and how they come into play together so she sees and feels like she's not enough for him she has feelings of jealousy that she has feels like she has no control over and she murders the women what's ridiculous about her situation is that he hasn't even acted on some of the impulses for these women it's just the fear of what will be you know she's like i know you joe once you get obsessed about someone i know the things you're capable of doing and she feels she needs to step in to preempt those things from happening so she kills the women and of course that in itself creates a whole ton of a mess because she is not coordinated and organized like joe joe is the one that knows where to bury the bodies and they even get found and how to go about those kind of things strategically she's not she's not like that she's more erratic and so their marriage turns into this crisis situation even though it did begin from a crisis situation and they go to the therapist's office and you see them have this couple problems okay and these couple problems they're having are not necessarily limited to people that have this kind of intense malignant disorders most people struggle with feelings of jealousy most people struggle with feelings of not feeling like they're enough for their partner some people struggle with cheating and all those things they're all relatable interrelationship issues so they go to couples therapy and, and you feel a sense of compassion for them at the same time it's kind of comical to watch while you're still feeling compassion for these killers people that kill people and their struggles and the whole therapy thing is kind of funny in the sense that they can't get into as far detail of the things that have happened between them and so they kind of leave some places blank and the therapist fills it up herself or they use other things in the place like when joe is describing how she flew into a rage and killed someone the woman he didn't say she killed the woman he said she broke a vase so they have to do that kind of dancing at the therapist's office and you actually see them making strides and that's one of the things i appreciate about this show in this installment of the season it's that it is bringing to light mental health aspects and it's not in a suggestive way they are literally in a therapist's office confronting their issues and it's something we've been seeing and i have commented on that is a trend that is going on in contemporary entertainment where they are shedding more light and mental health are really creating scenes that demystify mental health so that people don't see it as this 
scary thing or this very big thing or anything like that so i really appreciate that about the show and you see them actually trying to do the steps trying to implement the changes trying to do their homework at home you see love trying to speak to him in a less emotionally charged way trying to be more vocal trying to improve on their communication skills these are skills that they did not have neither of them had these skills they weren't nurtured in them as children and now they're adults and they're lacking these skills but then again you have the issue of their disorder so you see them they're trying to be normal and normal is just it's, it's just not working and that is what's comical but at the same time tragic about the story so at the therapist's office we find that they both share a core wound of abandonment abandonment is actually the fear of abandonment is actually a common shame wound a lot of people struggle with and it's the thing that drives a lot of the actions that people have you find that love is scared that she would be abandoned by the person she loves and from her childhood you would notice that love herself didn't really experience that kind of genuine love from her parents growing up love's mother especially casts her in a shadow and always puts her down her mother also has no boundaries she's always interfering in her life and love ends up being a very codependent adult she had a codependent relationship with her brother that she ended up murdering in season two but it's not just her brother every person that comes into love's life she forms a codependent attachment to and you can watch more about codependency in my other videos i will leave links to them in the description box below in this codependent relationship love derives a sense of self and validation and everything from outside of herself is completely dependent on this other person and it's quite a burden to place on someone and right now with joe being the current object of her affection joe is that person and with fear of abandonment you also have shame wounds of feeling like you're not enough so she also struggles with feeling like she's not enough and she's not perfect and she has to try to be perfect and try to do more so that people see more value in her and that's why every time she's around joe she's doing everything you know joe wants to help with the baby because the baby's crying and she's like don't worry i've got it and she's exhausted she's tired she doesn't want to have to do so many things she doesn't want to have to spread herself so thin and then there is a subconscious feeling of resentment it comes out sometimes when she snaps at joe but then she still feels like she has to do everything because she needs to prove her worth somehow she needs to audition for love she needs to earn love because there's this fear that she would be abandoned and for joe in this season they take us to his childhood where we see how he grew up in an orphanage and he never really got adopted his mother dropped him off there because i think he he shot someone that was 
being abusive to her and instead of protecting her own kid she put her kid there she abandoned him basically and he kept on feeling like she would finally come back and she never did and because he always said she would he got beat up a lot of times by the kids in the orphanage but being abandoned and rejected by the first female person in your life your own mother your first symbol of affection the person that is supposed to you know you assume is supposed to love you unconditionally and in this situation the man was being abusive and she didn't get away you know this kind of dynamics the mother had her own codependent relationship with an abusive person and she was trauma bonded and the child was seeing it happening and thought the only way they could help their mother is to somehow intervene this is quite commonplace where children feel like they need to intervene on the behalf of their parents and that really puts a child in a very difficult situation and after this transpired she goes and abandons her child and so for a child that did this they grow up feeling like something is wrong with them that they are bad or they are evil there's something wrong with you you're broken in some kind of way and you're not worthy of love and you can imagine all those things that are internalized and that's how he creates this mask of this other version of himself like i said he is like a covert narcissist he creates this other mask another version because he believes if anyone was to see him for who he truly was they would run away they will turn they will abandon him they will reject him because what he is inside is horrible hideous bad everything negative you can think of and not worthy of love at the same time joe grows up into an adult that is seeking this ideal love you see him seeking every time he finds a new romantic interest he idealizes them significantly places them on a pedestal and imagines that they would they would finally be the person that would love them and they would be this perfect person that they can love and it would be great and that is him subconsciously seeking that love that he never got from his mother as a child and of all the women that joe would select he always ends up somehow picking women that somehow present as damsels in distress now it's not always obvious and that's where this whole law of attraction thing comes into the mix if you believe in that sort of thing he somehow ends up with repetition compulsion i've talked about this as well in another video of mine i believe it was the umbrella season two deep dive repetition compulsion you repeat old patterns often linked in generational trauma as well sometimes you repeat the patterns of your parents and their parents parents and it just continues in that vicious cycle because you're hoping that the next time you get it right and it's unconscious people are not aware of it they are not consciously choosing people that would cheat on them over and over again or do the same thing that happened to their mom or the same thing that happened in their previous five relationships 
until they heal those wounds, those patterns will continue to endure. And so he chooses girls that are like the damsel in distress that his mother was. So they are either in codependent dynamics or they are plagued by abusers or they are being controlled by their like someone that he has to save and they don't show up like that they show up as normal regular girls and then he goes on digging and snooping like joe does and you find out what's behind the curtain they have these kind of damsel in distress problems and if joe had learned from his mistakes Okay, because sometimes you don't know the kind of people you're choosing from face value. You get to know and then you see and then you can step away. You can walk away and say, I'm not playing hero today. I'm looking for a partner. I'm not looking for someone to save. You don't have to continue in that kind of dynamic. But after Joe finds out and he's very good at finding out these things, he still continues. And then he paints himself as a savior paints himself as a savior i'm going to save them he's a hero she's a damsel and they will ride into the sunset and have this utopia of a love story and that's not always the case what's also really interesting about these kind of disorders is joe can easily switch from hero to victim so if the woman rejects him or something happens now he's the victim she deceived him she led him on and whatnot also in joe's childhood you have this feeling of always feeling like an outcast he was never really welcomed into the group he was always like the loner kid and he ended up growing up into an adult that is quite much like that and so And the scene where he is hanging out with the guys in his new community that they live in, they went on a guy's kind of hunting trip type thing and they were camping outside and he was welcomed into the pack after an incident happened. Joe is bawling, like he is crying because for the first time, in his entire life he feels like a part of something and that that was actually quite touching like yes he's a killer he kills people and he's a serial killer and but that is such a human need the need to feel like you belong so even though you're not a serial killer you're watching this you can relate to feeling like outside of the group at some point in your life maybe in high school maybe in college maybe in in elementary school people always want to feel like they belong it's it's a it's a core need and there are possibilities that if joe had you know had a sense of belonging in his childhood if he had not been abandoned by his parents who knows how he would have turned out to be who knows the kind of path that he would have actually gone on to live in his life now i want to talk about another key area about the show that i thought was 
so significant and also applicable and transferable to normal everyday life. And so after several therapy sessions and they became more honest with each other, more communicative and their relationship kind of seemed to improve. And the key word is seemed to improve because because of the kind of disorder that these two people have, they don't have feelings like empathy. Okay? Whatever form of empathy that you see them display, it's all an act. It's not real. They do it because they've probably seen people do it or they've learned. For example, now in the therapist's office, you don't speak to people this way, you don't reply this way. So they just mimic or they think they should mimic. And even as they mimic these actions, it's very difficult. It's it's difficult. The, the faking it is irritating and you get that in Joe's monologues when he speaks and you see that disdain and disgust in his tone with him having to do these things. And it's not just Joe. So we don't get to hear of love's monologue, but it's quite the same because they both, psychopaths, sociopaths, they don't have empathy. They don't have these kind of human empathy thing. So they're just mimicking. And why are they mimicking? Because they need it for the common goal. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to go to jail. They don't want to be found out about them being murderers. So they need to make the marriage work. That's the common goal. And so they have to work at being a better wife. She's acting out the part of the good wife. And Joe is trying to act out the part of the good husband. A love is fearful that if she doesn't act out the part of the good wife properly, Joe might kill her and dispose of her and just find a new obsession. Joe is afraid if it doesn't act out the part of a good husband properly. Love who is more erratic might just burn the whole place down with both of them in it. And so they seem to become a stable couple they seem to have learned and that's why i say the key word is seen there was no improvement there was no change it just seemed like there was and with that improvement in their communication in being more vulnerable being more vulnerable trying to create a safe space where they could be more communicative and sharing their feelings and their thoughts and having less feelings of shame you know what's funny when they were building that cage like thing where they put the people before they killed them that cage thing i can't remember what it's called but in the basement of their house where they keep the people that they trap in for two people that were seemingly trying to trust each other and do this thing together they had separate keys that they hid in there because they did not trust the other person 
to not one day lock them in there and then kill them so they had separate keys they hid in different corners so they could escape if that happened that goes <laughs> that 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 is hilarious they are doing all this work but the back of your mind you're still thinking i don't know if i can trust this person at the same time someone is not telling the other person where they buried the bodies or where they kept this or where they kept that because they're thinking I don't know if I can trust this person. When they do all that work, so-called work, in quotes, and their relationship is now seemingly stable, what happens? They find stability boring. And now this is the point I really wanted to hamper on. And this is the aspect of what I'm talking about that is also transferable to the non-disordered person. Transferable to the person like you or me or anyone out there there are a lot of people that are so used to the patterns of highs and lows and cycles of relationships that when they finally enter a relationship that is healthy and stable they don't know what to do with it and in my sessions with people when I coach them I often say healthy relationships are like a very stable heartbeat very stable signal there are no spikes there are no highs there are no lows it's not constantly spinning and when people have been in roller coaster rides of toxic dynamics they find the peace and quiet and the chill boring people that say that their partner checks in on them when he's running late or she's running late oh babe i'm running late i'll text you when i get here they find it annoying they find that reassurance of the other person disgusting why is that person telling me why is he telling me this why is she telling me this you know every time i come home he's there she's there i don't have to be thinking about whether they're cheating on me or they're doing this or they're doing that they're so transparent you know they give me their phone they're not hiding their passwords they're not being secretive okay now privacy is different from secrecy if you want me to make a video distinguishing the two leave a comment in the comment section below But essentially, the safety, the peace of mind, the calm, and these are the things that let you know you are in a healthy union of some sort. When your heart feels peace, calm, at rest, like your home, the way home should feel, not chaotic, that's how you know you have a good one. And when people are so used to tumultuous dynamics, peace and calm becomes unnerving. And that doesn't make sense. Tranquility, peace, calm, it should not be unnerving. It should not be destabilizing, but it does. And you find that it becomes the same for these two people. If you are hearing this and this is you, like I said, don't feel bad, don't beat yourself up just get the help you need and start working on those inner wounds what does joe do he starts the secrecy all over again he starts obsessing over another woman in secret over again because plain good dad good husband 
is boring even though it's an act it's boring he needs the excitement and thrill even though he knows that would destabilize things and cause love to snap and probably kill someone and they're back to square one he does it anyway and what does love do now she's in a stable seemingly stable situation with joe she goes and has an affair with a neighbor's kid he's not really a kid he's like in college he's above 18 but he's still young and she's having an affair and she tried to not let it happen in the sense of seemingly setting boundaries telling the guy not to hit on her but then again you can't argue that she was really setting boundaries because even though she tells him stop don't do that again she still continues to entertain him she still continues to entertain his advances always being there picking him up and then her mother comments on her liking to play the healer or fixer to broken birds or just always feeling good when she has people that depend on her or need her and that is that codependency thing in this relationship she has with Jill their therapist was also encouraging them to individuate so you Joe you have your life independent your own friends you love you have your life independent of your own friends okay this other person should not be the source of your everything and things like that and what does she do she goes outside and finds someone else that she feels she can play mummy to she can play helper to which is not so different from joe wanting to play savior and hero to someone else so you can see in in a way they are both like two sides of the same coin they are remirroring each other in many ways mirroring each other's wounds they are literally looking into each other's eyes and seeing themselves and part of the reasons why joe cannot get himself to love love and just accept her and say okay you know what she sees me for who i am is because he sees himself in love she's not perfect i'm not perfect i see myself in her and i see myself as an ugly thing therefore she's an ugly thing and i cannot love myself therefore i cannot love her so just think about that just just think about how twisted that is how complicated that is and so in so doing they seek out these problems i would say they're bringing the spikes in their relationships that bring in the ups and downs and then restart the cycle all over again they are doing it to each other and themselves and this is why i often say that millennial characters shouldn't shouldn't are not the best at things like marriages children a lot of times they just mess up their own kids they traumatize their own kids they abuse their own kids and this is a fear that both of them struggle with they struggle with this fear that they are going to mess up their own child 
Joe doesn't want his child to end up like him. He doesn't want either him or his wife to go to jail and he has to go to a foster home or a, an orphanage and then be bullied and turn out like Joe. Or he doesn't want to have to witness murders or things like that and be affected. And love is also feeling like she's not a good mom, she's not good enough, she is not good enough and therefore won't be a good mom to the child and then the child won't be a good child, grow up to not be a... Uh, you know grow up to have issues she doesn't want to do to her child what her mom did to her they would have been better off not being parents at all and that's why even when i talk about malignant characters and how awful they are there are spaces where being a psychopath is great for example people that go to work some of the best surgeons are psychopaths because they have that calmness and the pressure to perform really complicated surgeries some of the best cia agents are psychopaths so why then do they go on to have families that might be the next question if they struggle with these issues some of them don't even want to have children Someone like Joe would probably not want to have a child at all because he's thinking he might pass on his genes. And that's why Joe was upset when the baby came out and it was a boy instead of a girl. Because now he is so frightened that the child will be like him because he's a boy for sure. Now he, he's going to be like him and Joe hates himself. I would say part of the reasons why they go on to have families, even though they don't want to have families they don't want to have children but they do anyway is because they want to blend into society they feel like they have to do it in order to look normal it's part of the mask having a family and having children a part of their masks that they put on if they felt that they could assume success power money for those that also want adulation and being recognized prestige all of those things without having to fake being a great dad or being a good wife or husband and they could just have a space in society like becoming cia agents or all those other careers where having a family can actually be uh, a negative it could be a hindrance to your career if they could do that and still be respected and no one would look at them in a weird way they wouldn't put on the mask of family and they put on this mask knowing full well that they are ruining the lives of the children they're raising probably being abusive to their partners for those that are as dark as that in their malignancy they do all of that in the hopes of masking their true nature and so finally i come to the question that i posed when i started this video and which is a question that is the title of this video what happens when two malignant people get together like i said earlier you would think that the both of them will see each other you are just like me i am just like you we can make this work and you know what i actually think that they could have made it work 
if they had accepted that they are not a conventional couple. Their desire to try to mimic the conventional is part of the reasons, besides from their disorder, which makes them continue to sabotage their relationship. Wanting to be conventional is part of the reason why their relationship failed. If love could work on her issues with codependency, or if not work on them at least, accept that you know sometimes Joe has his thing. You know, they could have decided to have an open kind of marriage. And this is not to say that people that have open marriages have any kind of disorder of any sort, but they could have accepted that sometimes Joe likes to obsess over other women, but he can just play around with them and then still come home. They could have had that kind of arrangement. And then love can also do her thing where some other person, she plays mummy and help her or whatever to that person. If they end up sleeping together, having an affair, whatever, they still come home. Their relationship could have worked. I say this because the other couple, there was a interracial couple that also had some narcissistic tendencies. The the wife, the lady there, mother of the twins, she had narcissistic tendencies of her own. Uh, I believe her name was Shalita Grant, um, the mom influencer that had twins. She and her husband were in an open marriage and it was working for them. So they could have tried it and they actually did try the open marriage thing. But love snapped when she discovered that he had a new obsession so love can't even handle the thought of joe thinking about another woman just him thinking about another woman and i'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing but him thinking about another woman is enough for love to go and murder that person that's how deep her abandonment wounds go if they could have accepted and created an unconventional space for themselves while also working on their issues they probably could have worked but because of their malignant nature because of their disorders and how dark these disorders they have are it would have been difficult to establish boundaries for the unconventional relationship. So let's say love said, fine, you like to have your obsession. You can have your obsession and research and look and fantasize and jerk off to as many women as you want. Just don't sleep with them. That's a boundary. And these people have issues with boundaries. There's people that have these disorders. And that's why they cheat. It's not often because they cannot control their sexual urges or anything like that. It's that you are creating a boundary for the relationship. 
they don't have to answer to you and they don't have to uphold that boundary so whatever line that you draw they would always cross so if she said that then he would have gone on to sleep with those women and if she said okay you can sleep with them but you can't run away with them then he would have run away with them you see what i'm saying he would have transgressed and violated the boundary at some point because that is part of his disorder he is sick and for love the same would have happened and love's situation is so frustrating in the sense that while love cannot stand the thought of joe thinking about another woman sexually fantasizing about another woman she is okay with having an affair and that makes no sense because you would expect rationally speaking that if someone is not okay with if someone is not okay with being cheated on then they will not cheat on someone right the logic it makes sense and if their fears are so extreme that just the thought is enough to trigger the wound then they wouldn't even do what they're doing but then she has this affair she pretends that she's doing it to keep the guy in line with them for future purposes but it's more than that and joe knows and you can see them playing the game where joe knows that she's cheating on him but he's going to pretend and act like he still cares about the marriage so that she doesn't suspect that he's cheating on her and kills the both of them <laughs> Don't you find it fascinating? I find that fascinating. And that is going to segue into the answer to the question I often get from some of you guys and some of the people I work with. What happens when two malignant people get together? Your answer is in this show, and I have pretty much explained a lot of it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, a couple where it does work is the show House of Cards, and I will be doing an analysis on that one soon. And that's because they have a mutual goal in mind. But even then, it's more likely not to work. And that's why they don't date themselves. That's why they don't marry themselves. My clients come to me asking me when I'm coaching them, why do they hurt us? Why do they do this to us? Why do they choose good people and hurt them? Because if they chose someone that is just like them, it wouldn't work. If they chose someone just like them they'd always have to be looking over their shoulder like you saw in the show you can't trust the other person you're always going to be suspecting the other person you're always going to be having plan a plan b plan c preparing for when you can be killed murdered backup plans and you saw that happen when they try to outfox themselves towards the end of which love lost out in the end because joe the main star of the show kills her and succeeds in turning the whole story in his favor and getting away that my dear friends 
is the reason why malignant characters don't date malignant characters. Lions don't hunt lions. They hunt sheep. They not because the sheep is dumb or the sheep is weak, but the sheep is less threatening. Predators do not mingle with other predators. They don't marry other predators. They don't want to be hunted themselves. So they go for the people out there, the good people, the people that see the good in others, the people that have the best intentions for people and expect the best from other people, the naive, the wide-eyed, the bright-eyed, the optimist. You can think about any of those words and in short, someone that is not like them. And so I come to the end of this analysis. I hope that you are able to take away some key lessons from the story. I always seek to shed light on mental health concepts, demystify these issues, how people see themselves in these stories and areas that they can identify within themselves for personal growth. And if you know a Joe Goldberg in real life, you know what to do. I mean, I don't need to tell you at this point. And if you know a love, yeah, be very careful. I don't need to tell you at this point. Um, as always, like, comment in this video and share this video, add it to a playlist. If you enjoyed it, share it to someone, valuable lessons in there. And um, until next time, I love you. Love yourselves too. Bye.